You guys can have a seat if you can find one. Um, this morning, if you've got empty spaces around you, if you could kind of squeeze in, that'd be helpful to the folks that are seated in the back along the wall. This morning, you got some spots around you. The other evening, uh, Emily, my wife, and I, we were sitting around talking about uh, daytimers and, and reminders and calendars and how she doesn't like daytimers and calendars and reminders and all those things. And we have so many ways to remind ourselves of things in our lives We've got digital reminders, we've got our paper calendars, we've got our to-do list, uh, we've got our phones that are on our watches, we've got our tablets, we've got apps on your phones that are nothing but reminders, ways to remind you of all that's going on in your life. Uh, A week and a half ago, I had a dental appointment, and three weeks before, here's here's how the reminders went. Now, if you work in a dental office, understand I'm not, I'm not upset at you because I know most of the time you do this because we don't return your calls, okay? Uh, but here's what happened. Three weeks before, I get a note in the mail, a reminder. You've got an appointment on 2-3-2017 at 8 a.m. Then I get a text message a week later. You've got an appointment, 8-3-2-3-17. Uh, reply yes or no. Confirm. So I reply yes. The next week, I get a phone call. Hey, you've got an appointment. This coming Friday. Do you know it's, do you know it's happening? On Thursday afternoon, I got a secret service agent that delivered to me a reminder. I mean, I'm going, I got it, okay? I've got it in my phone. I've got it on my computer. I've got it in my head. You've, you've gotten that. But we, are, we, we remind people of all types of things. Parents, you're going to school and you say, hey, the kids, do you have your homework? Before you leave the house, you get in the car. Hey, I want you to look in your backpack. Yesterday, you forgot your homework. Look in your backpack. You got your homework? Yeah, mom, got my homework. They get to school. They, they're about to jump out. Hey, when you, hey, before you walk off, let me see your homework. Hey, Mom, here's my homework. And then somehow they don't turn in the homework, right? And you're going, how in the world did that happen? And the most noted reminder in human history of the 21st and 20th century, century to me is a mother saying to her child, drive carefully, Right? My mom, I'm 45 years old. My mom, when I left Charlotte two weeks ago, um, coming back, my mom, when I was walking out the door, she said, son, drive carefully. And I said, with a, with a very um, slightly sarcastic, but she's still my mom reverence, okay? I said, no, mom, I'm going to drive like a maniac all the way back today, all right? And I think, golly, will you just stop reminding me to drive carefully? I have three teenage drivers, and guess what comes out of my mouth every time they leave the house? Drive carefully. We remind each other of so many things in life. We keep the reminders. We keep the daytimers. And this morning, we're going to see in 2 Peter a, a reminder. And it's a reminder that some of you are very well aware of. We've been walking through 2 Peter And last week we saw he gave us some reminders of the things that we are to be building up in our lives, virtues that that he listed for us, that he gave out for us. And again, they're not a a build-upon list for us to look at, but he talked about, they're in your bulletin this morning, he says your foundation is your faith, then you have your virtue, then you have knowledge, then you have self-control, then you have steadfastness, then you have godliness, brotherly affection, and then you have love. Again, you don't have to... To, to, to start working on love once you get to this level of brotherly affection. It's just the, the way in which he provided them for us. But the foundation there is faith. And then we pick up this morning on this idea. And, and again, I, I was struggling in my preparation this morning because I'm, I'm thinking of what we're about to talk about, many of you in the room know. And then I thought, if Peter needed to remind the church 30 years after Jesus had walked on the earth 
of some of these very things, then I have a good mind to know that 2,000 years later, we probably need another dose of what he's about to say to us. Verse 12 through 15 says, Therefore, chapter 1, we're still in chapter 1 this morning. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right that as long as I am in this body to stir you up by the way of a reminder. Do you hear him? I mean, he's already said it twice. I'm going to remind you. I'm going to remind you. I'm going to remind you. And then verse 14, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon. Translation, he knows he's going to die soon. As our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, I will make every effort to show, every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. So Peter, before he gives us a lot of warnings that we're going to see in chapter 2, he says, I have a mission. I have a purpose. And it is to remind you. It is to remind you. It is to remind you so that when I am gone, you might remember the lessons that I'm here to teach you. And just as a parent constantly still goes to a child that's 45 and says, drive carefully, Peter has been telling the church, Peter, a witness, an apostle, equal standing with us through Jesus Christ that we saw in the first week, he's given the backbone He's going to lay down this backbone foundation that we hinted at in, verse, in, in the first few weeks. But he's going to lay this foundation. And here's what he's going to talk about these next few verses. The validity of Jesus and his claims. He is going to remind the people of who Jesus is, where Jesus came from, and the validity of Jesus Christ. And as I think about our culture and our world, Is that not a reminder that the church needs today? That in all the things that are swirling around us, the validity of these virtues, the authority of God's word, we need this constant reminder of the foundation we have in Jesus. So the overall sermon point this morning as you're leaving this place is I don't want you to forget Jesus. In the middle of your good days, I don't want you to forget Jesus. In the middle of your bad days, I don't want you to forget Jesus. In the middle of worship, I don't want you to forget Jesus. In the middle of studying God's word, I don't want you to forget who Jesus Christ is. Now, at this point, let me advocate for those of you for your attention, especially if you are distant from God. And you would say, I doubt the claims of Christianity. I'm skeptical of the authority that, that you're placing, pastor, in this book that you talk about. And I'm, I'm going to stand at a distance this morning. I just want to invite you to stand right there. I want you to just stand this morning and look at Peter as he almost sets up this as a court case to to build upon for you to examine this morning. If that's you, I want to challenge you that when we're finished to take an honest evaluation of who Jesus Christ is. If you have trusted in Jesus, which many of us claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, I may not communicate anything new to you this morning. But if there was a need for this reminder 30 30 years after Jesus walked the earth, and today we're going to do it 2,000 years later. So Peter's comments are built in verse 16. He says this, For we did not follow. So he's building the case for who Jesus is. This is his reminder that he's starting to give to us. For we did not cleverly follow, cleverly devise myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Here's the first reminder. We are not following a myth. 
That's what he was given to the early church. We are not following a myth. He, we did not commit as followers of Jesus to follow a, a group of stories or fables or things that were even conjured up and planned out. No, we, we are following something that is true. They lived in, a, in an era and a time where later on Greek mythology would enter into and, and there's some good moral teachings that come from some of those, but they are myths. Maybe you'll understand myths and fables better this way. Some of you in this room are gigantic Star Wars people, all right? Newsflash, it's a myth, all right? I know some of you are going to go to counseling for that, all right? Um, as the next one comes out this next year, you're going to be, you're going to be thinking about that. But in, in nobody in their right mind, let me emphasize that, in their right mind would say there is great validity in Star Wars. Like, I'm going to build my faith on Star Wars. Now, there are some that have made that their faith system, believe it or not. And he said, we didn't devise this plan. When we're talking about Jesus Here's what he is speaking to. He says, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For three years, Peter walked with Jesus. For three years, he went from a fisherman to a follower to a preacher. I mean, he he made these giant leaps in his faith. and, And even when he was full of doubts and denial, he was also the first disciple to stand in opposition as he preached, the, preached God's word and preached the truth of Jesus. This is the most basic way to, to think about what he's building here. And he says, listen, we are not following a myth because let's be honest, 2,000 years later, if this were just a myth or even 30 years later, somebody in that group of disciples, somebody in that group of 100 people who were there when Jesus Christ came back would say, you know what? This was all a sham. I mean, we can't keep secrets in 2017, right? We got social media. We can't keep anything a secret. But don't think people were any more confidential then. And there was nobody that in those opening disciples and in these gospels that, that jumped out of the circle and went, you know what, we made it all up. It was just all a big fabrication. You don't forget watching someone who is blind receive sight. That's what Peter saw. Peter saw Jesus take time to pray with and for beggars. He said, this is not a myth, this Jesus. You don't forget ever the image of a crucified Savior and then his appearance to you and your friends. You do not, Peter says, you you can't, this is not a myth. You cannot forget the life and the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But he's also referring to something this morning that probably is going to blow some of your minds that you may have glanced over in Scripture. At the end of verse 16, he says that we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And then verse 17, it gets a little little hard to grasp all this, so we'll walk through it. He says, for when he received honor and glory from God the Father, this is referring to Jesus, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, okay, We're going to walk through this in a minute. And the majestic glory, God the Father said, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. Here's the reminder, and then we'll unpack what he's saying here. We were eyewitnesses to the majesty of Jesus Christ. 
We were eyewitnesses to the majesty of Jesus Christ. The moment he's referring to is recorded in three of the Gospels in the New Testament. It's called the Transfiguration. Now, transfiguration in our English definition means a complete change of appearance into a beautiful or perfect state. And it refers to something coming from the inside out. And so there's this transfiguration that's recorded in Scripture. And guess who was there when Jesus, when this took place? We're going to read the story in just a moment. Peter, James, and John, three of the disciples, they were with Jesus when this as he refers to in verse 16, the eyewitnesses of his majesty. Recorded in Matthew chapter 17, it says this, And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John. So Jesus is still living. This is before the death, resurrection of Jesus. Peter, James, and John, his brother, they led him high up on the mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light, And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Jesus, Moses, Elijah. They lived hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus walked the earth. Peter, James, and John, fishermen, they're hanging out with Jesus. They go to the mountainside. All of a sudden, they open their eyes, and there's Jesus, and he is glowing. And he is in a heavenly, perfected, beautiful state in all of his majesty, And there beside him are Moses and Elijah. And Peter does what Peter would always do. He begins to talk. I mean, some moments you just don't talk, right? You don't don't try to get in the middle of this conversation. You're you're not on the same level of these guys. And he says in verse 4, Lord, it it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Doesn't that sound like a good offer from Peter? I mean, he's just going, what do we do? James, John, what? I mean, he's glowing. He's heavenly. Moses, Elijah, they're having a conversation. I tell you what, I think we're going to hang out here for a while, so can I build each of you a little house? I mean, really, Peter, how are you going to do that? You're on a mountaintop. Think through this a little bit. And he was still speaking in verse 5. So he's still talking. When? I mean, Peter's just trying to figure this out. When, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, I got this cold going on, so it works perfect for this. This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. The creator of the universe, not visible in this picture, is speaking, and Peter, James, and John hear it and what happens in this moment is the authenticity of who jesus is the power that we looked at two weeks ago the divine power is now given all of its credibility right here because this is not just a teacher this is not just a rabbi this is not just a miracle worker now this is the majesty this is the son of god and god says to him i am well pleased listen to him you don't Forget this moment. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. Easy for you to say. You're not, you're the one glowing. 
you got Moses and Elijah. The voice just came from heaven and spoke about you. And you're just telling us three guys that we just, we're just here. Have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus. Peter was there. His fellow disciples were there to see this glorious moment. This perfection of who Jesus is. This beautiful picture. Only the three of them got to see this, got to witness this. And, and you, people kind of conjure and they try to think, well, why Peter, James, and John? Well, my only answer is, who were the first guys to stand before those in opposition to the message of Jesus Christ? Peter and John. They needed a little bit more. They needed a little bit more to stand upon. Peter and John objected to the religion of the world and they said, listen, we trust in Jesus. And he says, we have seen, we are eyewitnesses to the majesty of Jesus. So they had seen too much. Don't forget Jesus. And then he says in verse 19 through 21, he says, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but spoke, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Another reminder from Peter, the authenticity of Jesus Christ was foretold. Again, a lot of you in this room know some of this. But we don't think about it a lot. And Peter's saying, I'm going to remind you, I'm going to remind you, I'm going to remind you so that when I die and when I leave this place, you might recall what I'm telling you. The authenticity of Jesus was foretold. And here's how we can unpack this this morning. Scripture is divided into the Old and through the New Testament. The Old Testament is the story of the children of God, full of history, full of conquest. But it is also full of words, prophetic words, that point forward hundreds and sometimes over a thousand years to Jesus Christ. What is a prophecy? A prophecy would be uh, from a, a long time ago if someone were to say, I know who's going to win the Super Bowl in 2027. And they would be right. And they would pick the right score. And they would pick the right players. And they'd, they'd know all this information. And so he's saying, listen. Don't just take my word for it. I was eyewitness to his working. I was eyewitnesses to his miracle. I was eyewitness to this transfiguration moment. But don't just take my word for it. For 1,500 years, there have been prophecies that have been made, 300 of them about Jesus Christ, how he would live, how he would die, how he would be born, what city he would be born in. And they all came through, came true through the person of Jesus. Now, that may not excite you, but years ago, a math professor named Peter Stoner in 1963 wrote a book called Science Speaks. Those of you who are mathematicians, you're really going to grab this. Um, that leaves the other 90% of us just struggling through, okay? In it, he assigns probabilities to biblical pr prophecies. And then he starts calculating the odds of what would it take for, listen to this, for just eight of those prophecies to come true, what is the probability of that happening? The probability is one 
uh, 1 in 10 to the 17th power. Just for eight of those prophecies to come true, thousands of years later, the probabilities are 1 for 10 to the 17th power. Let me explain that to you. 1 to the 17th, 10 to the 17th power. If you take silver dollars and you lay them on the face of Texas, Peter Stoner calculated this because I would not have done this. He calculated if you take silver dollars and you lay them on the face of Texas, they would cover the entire state of Texas two feet deep. Now, if you were to mark one of those silver dollars, just one of those, blindfold yourself and say, go find it, that is the chances of eight prophecies coming true. The chances of you finding that coin in the whole state of Texas, two feet deep, 10 to the 17th power, is the opportunity, the chance. And you would go, that's not a good chance. If you multiply and you go to 16 prophecies coming true, 10 now goes to the 45th power. To, in silver dollars, to the earth, to the sun, 30 times further. Just for 16 of those to come true. And 300 prophecies came true about Jesus. And they weren't prophecies that just men created in their mind and went, hey, I'm going to jot this down about somebody coming up. No, Scripture says men spoke from God as they carry, were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Here's what Peter's doing. He's building the case for the validity of Jesus Christ, the person, the power, the authenticity of Jesus Christ. And if you're standing this morning skeptical, I would just ask you to investigate some of this this morning. My faith that I stand on is profound because it stands in the person, in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I have faith according to history and according to prophecy my chances, my faith has a very good object, does it not? For these things to occur are unbelievable. How many of you ever flown in an airplane? Raise your hands. Real quick, participation, wake up. All right. How many of you have not flown in an airplane? Raise your hand. Okay, we have mission trips that go all over the world, okay? You can sign up for one of those. We can break that, that, that for you, all right? Um, and, and so the, an airplane, let's say you go to get on an airplane. It's a big plane. There's, you know, 150 people in there. And you get on the airplane. You got a nice window seat. You look out. You look out and you see a wing and it's cut in half. And MacGyver, for some of you who would understand that, has been there and he has duct taped the engine back on. You know what you do? No, you just, you say, you know what? I got faith. I got faith. I'll just roll on down the runway and we'll just hope we'll get there. No, you get off that plane as quickly as possible because the object of faith in the moment is the plane and the plane is not deserving of your faith. I put my trust in a savior who is well deserving of my faith prophecies tell me peter and i witness told me he experienced the majesty the miracles the resurrection he saw and heard the prophecies coming true the object of my faith is valid and it is authentic and when i look out the window of life and i look through struggles and difficulties and sickness and pain when i look out the window i don't see a savior who is just a teacher 
as our culture is beginning to pound in us. And students, it is hard-pressed on you. Jesus is just another teacher. He's just another religious figure in history. Not according to Peter. Not according to this guy. He was an eyewitness. And if that's not enough for you, 300 prophecies are on his side that came true 1,500 years later. I did not put my faith in a dead Savior. I didn't put my faith and my hope in a half-winged Savior. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. And you know what? I got to be reminded of that. You need to be reminded of that this morning. You need to be reminded of that next week. You need to be reminded of that. Why? So that one day when I'm not up here preaching and one day when you're not sitting in a Bible study and one day when you're sitting in an operating room with someone going through trials and one day when you're sitting at a graveside and you're struggling with your thoughts, you say, I have put my faith in Jesus. When culture tells you you are old-fashioned or you are out of date in your faith, you say, I put my faith in Jesus Christ. Reminder, put your faith in Jesus. Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Do you have a faith in Jesus Christ? Because this is the foundation that he's laying. He's saying, before we look at all these virtues, before we look at false teachers, before we look at how you govern and go through this world and and even deal with false teachings inside the church, before we get there, do you have faith in Jesus? Over the past few months, we have, it's been awesome to see several of our children, teenagers and adults say, I I don't have faith in Jesus and I want to commit my life to Jesus. And we've been able to celebrate that. Next Sunday, we'll have baptism. We're going to celebrate that again next week of people who are declaring, I have put my faith in Jesus because I've tried everything else. I've searched. I've tried it. I've tried to fill this emptiness, this void, and nothing's happening. Peter says, let me remind you. Don't forget Jesus. It's pretty simple. Don't forget Jesus. Jesus. In a few moments, they're going to come and they're going to lead us in that beautiful again for us just to to raise the name of this Savior. An eyewitness, Peter. An apostle, a servant, a disciple. And he's saying, listen, I want to remind you. I want to remind you. I want to remind you. I want to remind you so that when I'm gone, you'll know what? Don't forget the validity, the authenticity, and the power of Jesus. And this morning, if you say, I don't have a faith in Jesus Christ, it would be a tremendous honor for us to begin that conversation with you. For me to be able to stand down here at the front and begin that conversation for you just to say, I don't know if I have faith in Jesus. He's going to lead us, church, over the next few weeks to another question though and it is this are you prepared to defend your faith in Jesus Christ this is where he's leading us so he's given us the foundation to say don't forget Jesus because he's going to keep coming back to that and he's going to start looking at false teachers inside the church he's going to start looking at false teachings outside the church and he's going to rattle us a little bit to say do you know how to defend your faith in just Jesus Christ 
Do you have faith in Jesus? Are you prepared to defend your faith? Do the teachings of Jesus impact your daily life? This morning as we pray, I just want to invite you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you don't have faith in Jesus, why not today? What are you waiting for? You got doubts, you got questions? He's okay with them. You got unanswered questions and things you want to ask? It's okay. You got struggles? It's okay. You got temptations that you're dealing with? Do you have faith in Jesus? Let's rest in that this morning. Let's pray.